0: Hello, boils and ghouls, creeps and
1: titties. It's your old pal, the Crip Keeper. Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick or
0: Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying. You are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast, part of the Slash and Cast podcast network, movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare.
1: And hello everyone and welcome to the Trick or Treaters podcast. This is episode number 16 and I'm your host Kyle and as always joined by my wonderful co host JR, how are you doing today, buddy? I am doing great as we are recording uh, the Monday after Christmas.
0: I hope everybody had a good Christmas holiday uh, as we are uh, heading towards, as this episode will drop on New Year's, uh, as we head towards 2021 and uh, looking forward to what new adventures come our way as we close out 2020.
1: As JR said, this episode, uh, when you're listening to it, it'll be 2021. It's going to drop on New Year's Day. I'm sure, like everybody else, I'm just excited to get on with the new year and get out of this hellhole of a year that we've had. I'm hoping 2021 will be a lot better. Uh, I I have, you know, I'm I want to stay positive and uh, and everything. and everything towards it. But uh yeah, uh I'm excited to get uh to get started on this and uh, especially get started on what all we have planned for, for 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 next year well well for this year technically whenever whenever it drops. But yeah, uh today for those uh who well, well if you obviously if you read the title of the episode when you clicked on it you know we're talking about the lost boys and it is a pretty much a cult classic and one of my all-time favorite movies it's in my top five favorite movies of all time it's it's my favorite vampire movie of all time and and i just i just love everything about this movie and i cannot wait to talk about it with you jr How, how do you feel about it jr
0: this was a movie that as soon as i saw it and i I know I was in my teens, because I remember I bought the DVD my junior year in high school. And so I must have saw this when I was in either my preteens or sometime middle school. Just the whole look of it, though, the badass teenage vampires. Um, I love the I love the relationship between the little brother and the older brother. Right? It was very reminiscent of my relationship with. Me and my brother growing up, I felt um they were close to their grandfather. we were close to our grandfather. um I love the dog, Nanook, and it's funny too i didn't I didn't even know this until as I got older, but Thai beanie babies came out with a husky, and the husky's name is Nanook, and I know for a fact that beanie baby is named after this dog in the Lost Boys. And nobody can tell me different. And the Frogger Brothers are awesome. Everything about this film is, to me, is, is amazing. It's a great watch. I I don't think there's anything about it that's overly scary where, you know, you wouldn't want to show somebody that's younger. I think this would be a perfect introduction for a younger person. If you have a younger sibling, a younger cousin, I wants to get into a horror. If you want to introduce them to, you know, the vampire genre, this would be, I think,
1: in my opinion, the best film to introduce them into. Yeah, I, I could agree with you more. Uh, with me, it's like I remember when I first saw this movie. It's just like what you said. You really can't think of anything that you honestly disliked about this movie. Uh, it's 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 that way with me too. Like this movie is just just perfect in in my eyes. Uh, it's just like the, the the atmosphere this movie creates that the aesthetic in this movie the just everything about this movie it is it, weird because you know, it's a vampire movie but it, it feels like it draws you in like, i don't know about you but like when i first like watched this man i i wanted to be a fucking lost boy i wanted to be part, part of the gang <laughs> oh absolutely i mean with um i always get them
0: confused Kiefer and donald sutherland i'm pretty sure Kiefer is the one in this movie
1: yeah yeah Kiefer's
0: but the one his look his friends look the way that especially there's a scene and i know we're gonna get into it where they're they're hanging like from a bridge and they drop down into like the abyss of the fog it just looks like this is just cool shit you wanted to do if you're a teenager the way you just walked around you feel like you owned the town you did whichever you wanted to do no one's gonna tell you different everything about it just exude what i thought would be you know what coolness was as an
1: 80s teenager yeah uh I'm glad you mentioned that scene it's like in my opinion one of the most iconic scenes from this movie like anytime I think of the lost boys I always think of that scene and uh a little uh a little spoiler alert uh I actually plan on uh incorporating that scene into a tattoo I'm gonna get sometime this year that'd be really cool yeah yeah i'm 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 excited about it uh it'll probably it will be my next one but it'll be right after that one i'm pretty sure i've got all the i've got pretty much got the design planned out for it and everything so i'm excited to, to get it but uh but before we really start talking about it the movie just have like one bit of news that dropped today uh to go over uh Sony Pictures uh for those who weren't aware Sony's uh working, has have been working on an upcoming Resident Evil reboot movie and today they announced on Twitter that they have officially wrapped filming for that movie and uh I'm probably going to butcher her name jo- Johannes Roberts who directed The Strangers Prey at Night and 47 Meters Down she's uh Uh, she'll be directing the movie and is expected to release in theaters in 2021. And, uh, she said that she's, uh, in an interview that she's basically, she's wanting to go back to the original first two games and recreate the, the terrifying visual experience that she had when she first played them. And, uh, I couldn't really find any plot details on the movie, uh, I know uh, the cast though from the movie. It, it's going to feature like Claire Red Redfield, Jill Valentine, Chris Redfield, Wesker, Leon, and uh, uh, William Birkin, and, and other people that uh, you know fans of the game 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 will know. So like, uh, I'm, th- I'm excited about that. Uh, it's like I don't know. It's uh, I was a fan of the Resident Evil. Of the original series, but you know, it obviously it uh it really didn't have anything to do much with the games. Uh, it kind of strayed away from that and became basically an basically like an action fr- uh, franchise out of nowhere, and kind of strayed away from zombies and everything else that the Resident Evil series is about. But so I'm excited for this. I'm hoping that maybe we'll get a return to you know. T- a return to a game that tries and sticks to what we know resident evil is And know uh, how do you think about this jr i'm
0: gonna be honest i just i never really was really into resident evil um that type of genre of it, you know night of the living dead uh zombies that whole the video games it just really wasn't my it really wasn't for me. I only saw the first one and I never got into it. So I know there is a huge fan base of Resident Evil. People that from the video games to the movies. And I completely, you know, support and respect the fandom. And it just wasn't my thing. I just never got into it. Um, I don't know why. I think, uh, you know, for me, vampires are more realistic than uh, government uh, mutated zombies, but hey, you know, you do you.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. If you weren't a a fan of the, if you didn't really, uh, if you a fan of the games, wasn't really a fan of the movies. Uh, you probably wouldn't. <laughs> you probably wouldn't like it. But yeah, uh, I feel you. Which you've said before, you're not really big on on video games that much.
0: No, I mean, I used to get them. I remember I bought a few of them. You know, me and my brother, I would... He would play the games. My brother was big into the shooting games, especially. You know, Resident Evil being one of them. And when I actually got the the Nintendo Wii, they came out with the Resident Evil game. I can't remember the name of it. And I would sit there and watch him play for hours. We would talk and, you know, have... That's, to me, what I enjoyed out of it more was the games part because I got... A chance to have bonding time with my brother, where we would talk about things as he was playing those games because I, I just suck at them. Our brother was uh, was way better at those at shooting games or uh, first person games than I ever was. Like I said, and I know that they have a big following. You know, they're hugely successful, and that's why they turn them into the movies. And I know. For a while, they got they were doing pretty well, and I heard they kind of dropped off because the storyline just got got very weird. And um, but yeah, I just like I said, it never just, those type of movies just never did anything for me. The zombie, uh, you know, I remember watching. I think one of the first ones I ever saw was like the the night of the night of living dead or return of living dead part three, and it was like the girl had got bitten by somebody and you know the the boyfriend was taken around the whole time trying to figure it out and his dad was like working for the government that was creating these like mutated zombies and I don't know I just never got into it
1: yeah I mean I, I feel you it's not your thing I, I'm not uh it's like when it comes to horror movies uh, I'm not the biggest zombie fan but you know I like what we like play like what we like uh, But yeah, the, so that was the only really news thing I had. Uh, I don't know if you've anything. Zombieland, though. I can get down with Zombieland. And Shot of the Dead. Shot,
0: those two, I know it's because of the comedic part of it, but those two are my favorite zombie movies.
1: Well, we're definitely going to have to add those two to our list of movies we want to cover. Uh,
0: and i don't have any news i think it's been uh as we're in the holidays it's been a, some slow news time hopefully beginning in january things begin to pick up
1: yeah that's what i'm hoping to especially with the this the the lineup of movies we have coming out uh in 2021 that we're all excited about but yeah uh so that was it uh with the news so i mean without further ado man let's let's get straight to it uh carmen hit that trailer Michael and
0: Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to
1: discover its secret.
0: Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian.
1: Or a vampire.
0: brother sammy help me stay back stay back what's happening to me star get yourself when a good you sharp stink drive it right
1: through his heart you're a vampire michael my own brother a damn blood-sucking vampire oh you wait till mom finds out buddy when a vampire buys it it's never a pretty sight michael oh shit! <laughs> So we are talking about The Lost Boys from 1987, and it was directed by Joel Schumacher, who, even though this is one of my favorite movies of all time, I still have and never will forgive Joel Schumacher for Batman and Robin.
0: he well joel, uh, joel Schumacher the late joel Schumacher who passed away in uh june of twenty twenty this was the movie that basically set him in that trajectory uh his the two movies that rose into fame was Saint Almo's Fire and the lost Boys that's really what took him in that trajectory to take over the batman uh the batman uh series off of Tim Burton and it's kind of you can kind of see a little bit of that flamboyancy in lost boys you know you see them there and you see how it kind of translates a little bit to batman and robin but i think this is more his style if he would have stayed with this type of style of filming it would have done him a lot better it just didn't translate well into the batman
1: series yeah it's like uh it, it's weird, like like I, I I despise Batman and Robin, but but Batman Forever is like a guilty pleasure for me.
0: I <laughs> it's the casting. They did a good job in the casting with the villains of of Jim Carrey as the Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face. Um, Uma Thurman did a pretty decent job as Poison Ivy, in my opinion. It's just very hard to buy it. Uh, I always say the Governor as Mister Freeze.
1: <laughs> oh man, there, there's so many quotable lines from that movie too that are just awful lines. Kill it for me. I just, oh god, I can't do it. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, thanks Joel uh, for, for for Batman and Robin. Uh, so you know, like I said, directed by Joel Schumacher. it was produced by by Har- Harvey Bernard, and it's. Was released in July. Uh, it was released. It was released July thirty first, nineteen eighty seven, and it stars Jason Patrick, who plays Michael, Corey Haim, who plays Sam, Diane Weist, who plays Lucy, who plays the, the mother of the who is the mother of the two boys, and uh, I know her. Uh, I know her for as the uh the mom in Edward Scissorhands. That's who she plays, and of course, Kiefer Sutherland as David. Uh, uh, is it is it J- 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 Jamie Gertz? I think it's Jamie Gertz, uh, who plays Star Corey Feldman, who of course plays uh Edgar Frog. is he, Alan? I, th- I think I think he's Edgar.
0: Yeah, then, Corey Feldman is Edgar, and then Jameson Newlander is Alan.
1: Yeah, and then Alex Winter, who plays Marco, who is one of the vampires, and for those who don't know, Alex Winter is, uh, you know the, uh, is is in uh, Bill and Ted is in the Bill and Ted movies with with Kiana Reeves, but uh, yeah, it had a it, it's a pre- it, it, it's not too long of a movie it's it's i mean it goes by pretty quick to me uh, uh to me it's a uh, 98 minutes it uh, comes in at 98 98 minutes and uh and here's uh, jr's favorite part it had a budget of 8.5 million dollars and it racked in a box office total of 32.2 million dollars and i'll let jr give you all the facts on um, the numbers
0: Yes, um, as you do the comparison, the inflation from 1987 dollars to 2020, approximately on an eight million dollar budget in 1987 is equivalent to about 18 million dollars today, and on a 32 million dollar box office is equivalent to about 72 million dollars today. If I did my math correctly, um, I may be off a. Of, I think it's 72 or 74 million, but that's a I mean, you talk about it, though. I mean, that's an amazing return on your investment. Um, you know, if, if you give a producer today, a director, $18 million, you know, studios says, hey, give me $18 million and I'll get you back $72 million. Take that every day of
1: the week and twice on Sunday. Exactly. Like, uh, as JR put it, in uh, in shorter terms, this was a commercial success. Um. Uh, so the uh we'll, let's start with some little fun trivia before we get into the review the uh the title for the lost boys is a reference to the lost boys in peter pan and and neverland movies uh the the whole film is it's based in uh in the fictional town of Santa Carla, California which is in fact just Santa Cruz, California uh, most of the film was actually shot there as well there's uh it's funny there's uh throughout the uh, movie you'll hear uh i think the frog brothers say uh say the the vampires are gonna they'll use the phrase that the vampires are gonna vamp out and that was first used here but it was a common it was commonly used in uh buffy the vampire slayer the tv series
0: yeah and that's you know it's actually it's funny you said because if you look at keithan's keefer sutherland's character or when the characters vamp out but it's almost identical to how they transform into buffy and i wonder if that's where some of the if they use that as inspiration when they were having the vampires in buffy the vampire slayer yeah
1: yeah i didn't think about that uh they, uh, yeah, like when the vampires and Buffy turn, they do. It is a very, very similar, almost, almost exact, similar transformation for how they do it on here. So yeah, that's a good, uh, it's a good thing. Uh, I didn't even think about that.
0: If you uh, look at a uh, Kiefer Sutherland character, David, or actually even more so like uh, Michael, look at those two characters, and then compare it to Angel and um, Oh, Spots. I can't. Th- yeah, Spike, thank you. Yeah. Uh the the face the facial structures and the changes and I, I bet if you know um <clears throat> if we ever do cover Buffy, I there's probably somebody who's done special effects for makeup in The Lost Boys that would be tied to Buffy the
1: Vampire Slayer. Yeah, I will have, have to look into that. Um uh, so the like I said the The fictional town this movie is based on in Santa Carla. It's actually Santa Cruz, California. Santa Cruz in Spanish means Holy Cross, which is, you know, an interesting connection given that the movie is about vampires and vampires are vulnerable against crucifixes.
0: Fun fact, uh, Santa Cruz is home to the UC Santa Cruz banana slugs. (laughs) The, the,
1: The banana slugs? Nice. Yes.
0: The uh, one of the worst mascots in the history of universities. Um, I have no idea why they call themselves the banana slugs, but hey, that's their, they, that's where they are. UC Santa Cruz, the banana slugs. Uh, UC Santa Cruz is a very popular university in California. Uh, their, ma- the official mascot's name is Sammy the Slug, but yeah, fun fact.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, so, for those who aren't aware, Jim Carrey uh w- uh starred in a vampire played a vampire in a movie called Once Bitten, and because of that movie, he actually was originally considered to play David in this movie. Uh that
0: I actually liked Once Bitten. That's actually one of my guilty pleasures. I find that movie hilarious. Yeah. That would've been a horrible casting of Jim Carrey as David because it, Imagine I cannot Jim, take Jim, Jim Carrey serious yeah. if he was going to be the main antagonist in The Lost Boys.
1: I can't I, I can't even imagine Jim Carrey as David. Like, what the hell? That would have been feel, and, I
0: feel like I, Jim Carrey, I've only seen him do one serious film, and it was the movie, the
1: number 23. And it seen, wasn't... And, that. It's a guilty pleasure. Not a lot. But the, in that the role of that's
0: it's not even the it's not even the same as how you could do he doesn't have the type of charisma that Keith R and these vampires have in this movie it's like this it's a natural like so, like I can't think I can't put it into words but it's almost like I want to say names like you know like Fabio or like. Where they just walk and you just see like how they ooze this charisma that's just it's a natural thing and it's like I'm cool and I know it. Where, where Jim Carrey is just he looks like a guy that you play video games with. Like yeah. you know I I can't explain it anything else but it's like hey you want to go to arcade and play video games like Jim Carrey the type of guy where like he that's what he would look like in the eighties because if you see him in the eighties and once bitten. He looks like a, I would say, like a normal kind of geeky, you know, 80s teenage character would look like, where Keith R. in The Lost Boys looks like the badass, rugged um, 1980s character that would probably get into a bar fight. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, man, I just, <laughs> that would just been hilarious, though. If he would have asked them, uh, so like uh, like I said before, uh, Corey Feldman plays uh, plays Edgar Frog, and uh, Corey Hayne plays Sam. Uh, so this was the first movie in a a, a trend of nineteen eighties movies where uh, they could, uh, they called it uh two Coreys, where where both of them. Uh, played in the same movie together, and this was one of the first ones t- 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 that they played in uh, t- t- together. But after this, they played in like quite a few together.
0: Yeah, it's um, you know, they have a a lot of history together. Unfortunately, Corey Haynes passed away, um, in 2010. He had he he dealt with a number of issues growing up, and he uh, he just never had a chance to. I think overcome his demons before his untimely death. That was uh, from what I've read was due to natural causes Um, by, and he ended up dying by pneumonia. Yeah. Um, But it's very unfortunate that, especially when you look at Corey Haim, he had, he was so good in this film and he had a few more films where he did very well in, but I mean, this is without his, the role he played in this one, especially with, with Corey Feldman was just so iconic And it's It's sad to see what happened and I will say Though it's good for Um Corey Feldman Who also dealt with very similar demons He was able to um z- Conquer his demons and he's Still with us today
1: Yeah I agree Uh Here's a, a, a funny one Uh so for you and Sean Want to keep count uh the name michael is said approximately 118 times throughout the movie okay <laughs> uh, and i think that will be it for now we'll, we'll go over some more that are relative to some of the some of the in the review and everything but yeah uh we're let's go ahead and get straight into it uh As we said before, this takes place in Santa Carla, California, which is real-life Santa Cruz, California. And the opening scene, this movie opens up, we have a flying shot, uh, and you're going to see a lot of flying shots in this movie. It's it's like, I know I said I I didn't have anything to complain about this movie, but I think, honestly, if there's one thing I could change about this movie, it would be the number of flying shots where people kind of get they do the flying shot, and people get killed off screen, and you don't see it. I think, uh, I think I would honestly change that to where we you know we could see the on-screen deaths instead of having that. But <laughs> that's just me. That's literally my only complaint. So we have this that flying shot over, and we see it's over going over the, over the Pacific Ocean, and it's leading up to the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. And on this boardwalk, we see a, a couple on a merry-go-round, and we see this uh we see who we know as uh, David and his gang uh, walk up to the couple on the merry-go-round, and David, who is played by Kiefer Sutherland, uh he flirts with the girlfriend of the of the couple, and it, in front of the boyfriend, and which leads to an altercation between the two which ends up getting them kicked out by a security guard. So after this, the park closes. We, we go to the park closing, and we see the security guard walking out to his car, and once again, like I said before, we get the flying shot. That's what you could see of. We get it here. We get the flying shot, and it, 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 the flying shot is kind of showing the – it's kind of going toward the security guard, and we see the security guard turn around and look up, and he sees what's coming after him, but we, we don't see what's coming after him. He runs to his car, he gets to the car door, but before he can get the door open, the car door is ripped off, and he, he goes, and so does he, along with it, by whatever was going after him, and that's our cold opening for the Lost Boys. So then after this, we cut to um, to, to a to a nice sunny sunny, uh, sunny scene where we see a mom and her two sons, the mom uh, named Lucy and her two sons, uh, Michael and Sam. They're driving into Santa Carla because they're moving there because the mom is recently divorced. And unfortunately, the divorce has caused them not to have a lot of money, so they're having to move back in. They're they're moving in with the grandpa of the family. And as they're going into Santa Carla, they pass a sign that says "Welcome to Santa Carla." Well, as they pass the sign, on the back of it it says "Murder Capital of the World" painted on the back of it, which, which is uh accurate because this film was shot in the 80s like i said and i don't know if any of you are familiar with some of the stuff that went on in the 80s but uh santa cruz had a lot of serial killers and killings going around in that area in the surrounding areas in that time and uh we're not a serial killer or true crime true crime podcast but if uh if you're looking for stuff like that uh and want to learn more about stuff like that you can check out our friends reverie true crime Pro- podcast who are part of the slash slash podcast podcast network with us uh i i don't know if she's done an episode yet uh, yet on any of the killers uh how are part of this they were part of this uh group in santa cruz but uh I highly recommend checking out her stuff.
0: Yeah, and actually, um, one of the things is, is this from Santa Clara, a lot of these murders was going on in the early 70s, throughout the entire decade of the 70s, essentially. And one of the things was, because of this, when they were filming The Lost Boys, or they were about ready to start filming Lost Boys, the city castle of Santa Clara was not exactly... They weren't exactly happy to potentially be set up as they were going to have a bunch of missing persons and these deaths and, you know, make it look like a basically a murder scene or, you know, people were dying. And it potentially almost prevented the the film from being shot at Santa Cruz because of this.
1: Yeah, so, so murder capital of the world was definitely accurate uh, description of this uh, of this area. So after this, we uh, as they're going into town, we kind of see like a montage of, of of Santa Carla. There's different areas of the place and different people. And while this is uh, play, while this is happening, you're seeing like all these different people of all kinds of different backgrounds. And uh, you see missing child posters. And while this is playing the song uh people are strange uh which which is a cover uh played by Echo and the Bunny Man which is a, the original was played by The is playing while this is uh while th- this montage is happening uh, I don't know if, if you saw it this way JR but like it's like almost every movie I've ever seen that either is either based in California or has some kind of something to do with California, it always shows like this very, like, you know, super nice, just, you know, paradise uh, uh, of a place. So it's nice seeing this movie depict a whole different picture, probably a more accurate picture that's not trying to hide, you know, hide what's really going on here in this area.
0: Well, you know, one of the things is, I think when people think of of California, there's this misconception of the entire state of California is this, it's either Beverly Hills or it's the beach. And it's this, you know, tourist paradise. But unfortunately, um, you know, there's a lot of other parts about it, both some that are completely different. And by showing, showing those other parts of California it, and even the worst parts of California... Um, no matter what it is, gives it a better aspect of this is what it you know
1: California
0: is just like any other state.
1: Yeah, I just thought it was nice just the fact that you know they're willing to show a less you know attractive view of of the state of California than what others depict it as.
0: I mean, if you we are the the third biggest state, and we are. Last time I checked, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty positive. We are the most populous state. And some areas are beachfront property. Some areas are, you know, Beverly Hills Matches, uh, some places are trailer parks and everything in between. And some places have low crime rates. Some places have high crime rate. I mean, we're the same as every other city. And er every city has a paradise and at the same time, they have another belly. And it's. I think it's important for For films to show both sides so that people get a true understanding of what a city is about. In addition to that, every, every part of California is unique. San Diego is different than L.A. L.A. is different than Sacramento. Sacramento is different than the Bay Area. And then even parts on the beach is different. Santa Cruz being on the water is a lot different than uh, an area that's like san diego by the water or the barrier by the water so um it's important to show that
1: yeah i, I completely agree with that uh so like i said the family's going to live at their grandpa's at the grandpa's house due to the recent divorce and uh so uh, <laughs> it, when they get to the house like this house is it, it, it's something else man it's like yeah, uh, his his house is filled with all kinds of like just weird, just oddities and and stuff. Like he just has like a a ton of antlers and there's stuffed animals everywhere. Like it's 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 just crazy. Wasn't he a taxidermist? I, I believe I believe so. I just don't remember if it was ever like revealed in the movie. That he of uh, 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 what his occupation was
0: because if he wasn't a taxidermist, and I'll be honest, I don't see these animals being on the beach. Um, grandpa has a lot of explaining to do,
1: yeah, I agree. It, it, it's it's funny too. Uh, he, whenever they get to the house, uh, grandpa has this really uh, in, this interesting line where he tells Lucy that she's the only person he knows. Who didn't like get out better after the divorce than when she came in? Like I guess just showing that you know uh, she didn't really get a good side of she she really didn't uh, benefit from the divorce as as most uh, as most probably would. Yeah, it kind of left her like you know like I said like the family really didn't have much money after because of the divorce and everything. So. Uh, next, we cut to nighttime, and the family is is out, out at the boardwalk, and at this boardwalk, there is a concert going on. And I don't know if you know this, shower, but the person playing the concert is Tim Capello.
0: I'll be honest, I have no idea who that is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't know too much about him until I, I really, really, really researched him after I found out I was looking up stuff for the movie yeah apparently it's it's uh it's a uh, tim capello and uh from my understanding uh he's still he's still as active as he can be uh and and he does do concerts like that where he he does he tries to dance and he sings and everything but and also plays uh, uh plays instruments and stuff uh, while everything's going on like how he did in this concert and uh It's funny they said that this scene took two weeks to film because almost everybody at that concert was it it was all extras. And it was just literally just local people from the Santa Cruz area. And uh, apparently they were all just some of them were just really, uh, really high and and doped up and stuff. And so they they just uh, weren't really good at cooperating so it took like really long for them to film this, <laughs> this scene at this concert. We see uh, Michael's there with Sam and Michael notices a girl dancing uh, from, from afar. And he just, you know, he, he just becomes instantly entranced by her. And this girl is star who, who we said is who we said before is played by Jenny Gertz. And uh, he, he starts, making eye contact with her and she makes eye contact eye contact with him but it's kind of like a she's trying to pretend like she's not looking at him but but then she she does as well and uh she eventually ends up walking away which causes michael to follow her now i don't know about you jr but if girl walks away i don't really follow them i don't really know if uh if that's something you do I don't. But I thought that was kind of odd. He just was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna stare, stare at Star here, and then she's gonna walk away, and I'm gonna follow her."
0: To Michael's credit, Star Jamie Gertz is a very attractive woman in yes. this film. Attractive in real life, even to the you know to this day. Yeah. Uh, and eighties is just a different time. It's like you talked about the real life Santa Cruz and the people it's like sex, drugs and rock and roll was, was running the, uh, was running rapid in the eighties and it was a very unique time. And it was, you know, sometimes people, they look, they lock eyes and one person thinks that, you know, there's some sort of attraction and it is what it is. It's definitely something that I didn't experience growing up in the late nineties, two thousands era. But, you know, like you said, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll was ready. Supreme in the
1: in the 80s yeah i mean it's it's the 80s i mean you do that today you get put on a list so yes for life don't follow people when they walk away unless you know you're being asked to so after uh star walks away and michael follows after with sam uh we cut to uh the the mom lucy and uh, a fun fact uh the reason she's named Lucy is it's a reference to Dracula's uh, br- uh, bride in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm trying to remember um, the story now. Was it... What's his name? In the... Harker? Is it Harker's wife? Yeah. Okay. I knew I was losing my mind
1: yeah, yeah. Blue lip harker's wife Lucy. Uh, who ends up? Draco wants her to be her, be his bride. So, uh, we cut to Lucy and she's uh, outside of a video store, and she sees a help wanted sign. Well, before she walks in, uh, there's a little kid that's kind of lost and looking for his mother, and so she ends up, uh, you know, helping him out and everything and uh, uh walking into the store with him, and then his mom walks by and then she reunites him with her mom uh, him with she reunites him with his mom and max sees this and he takes a liking to her immediately because she helped his kid out and you know the, the, they start making small talk here and there and uh you know she basically tells him that you know she's looking for a job and so uh, uh max offers her a job but while this is happening, uh, D- David from the uh, start of the uh, from the beginning of the movie and his gang, they show up and when the, they're just you know walking around the store and Max tells them that uh Max, who is the owner of the video store, he tells them to not come in there anymore and to leave. And so they end up leaving and they drive off on, on motorcycles. So then after this, we cut to Sam, who is with Michael and uh, Michael's still, you know, chasing after Star, and, uh, Michael ends up leaving Sam, uh, uh, behind in a comic shop, where Sam comes across, uh, he's looking in the comic shop, uh, shop, and he comes across these two workers, who will come to know as Edgar and Alan Frog, the Frog Brothers, and the Frog Brothers see him, and they're kind of giving him shit, because of the way he's dressed, and, I mean, he is dressed kind of he's dressed kind of odd for someone walking around a comic shop, especially they give him shit for how he's dressed and everything. And they start kind of t- t- trying to question his comic book tribute, trying to question them on like comic book trivia and everything. Uh, and then he ends up shooting back at him, and he has, he hits him with some comic knowledge of his own. And he tells them that he's there looking for a copy of Batman number 14. And, uh, that, and they tell him that there's only five copies of Batman number 14. And he tells them that, uh, th- there's actually four and he's looking for, uh, he's looking for, uh, the other three copies. He's always on the look for the other three copies. Okay. I, you know, I- I'm a bit of a comic fan myself. I'm no expert or anything, but I'm fairly certain there's more than four copies of Batman number 14.
0: Yeah. But it sounds good for the scene. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. So, You know, he tells them that and their thing, and then they sort of back off on giving him shit and everything, and they end up giving him a vampire comic called Vampires Everywhere. And fun fact, the the Vampires Everywhere comic, this is the – this was made for the movie, and the the comic shop that they're in, it's a real-life comic shop in Santa Cruz. Uh, there's another scene where you can see two people playing on a on a on an arcade machine, and one of the guys playing on the arcade machine is the owner of the shop, and uh, they actually have this comic in the store, and uh, the owner lets people come in and take a picture, uh, pick it up and hold it and take a picture with it, if they want.
0: I'd be charging ten dollars if, if I was a comic book owner.
1: I, well like you know he could charge money but but he, he he lets people come in for free and take pictures with it if they want to so if i'm if I'm ever out in Santa Cruz California, I'm definitely gonna stop by here the uh the name of the comic shop is uh it's the atlantis fantasy world comic book shop and it is a like i said a real life comic shop that you can visit it's just not uh it's not exactly on the boardwalk as it is portrayed in the movie, it's a couple blocks away. But, uh, so, you know, they give him the vampire comic, uh, and they end up telling him that, that comic can probably save his life one day. And, you know, Sam probably, is probably thinking that, that these people are crazy, and he kind of shrugs it off. Uh, meanwhile, we cut to Michael, who is, once again, still follower following star, and, uh, he ends up seeing her, meet up, with David and and the gang and uh, she ends up getting on the motorcycle with David and they drive off. And uh, she also has, uh, has his little kid with her as well. And the little kid's name is Laddie. She rides off and she has Laddie with her. So next.
0: There's two things. That's a very unique name for a boy for, for just general Laddie. Uh, I'm assuming it's nickname. Number two if my older brother left me at a comic book store by myself at night and it doesn't matter if this was the 80s or whatever era, uh, my brother probably got an ass whooping by my mom when we got home. So don't leave your first of all, don't go chasing after women that you've never met before. Number two, and especially in this day and age, uh, that's one. But the second thing is don't be leaving your relatives, especially your, you know, younger relatives alone at strange shops especially in a new town you've never been into. Those are just no, no's you don't do today or ever, but especially today.
1: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so after this, after we see the, they drive off uh, with star rides off with of David, we see the couple from the beginning of the movie again, and they're in the car together. And all of a sudden, uh we get another one of those, you know, flyover shots, and something tears up the car roof. It just rips off the car roof from the uh, car, and it pulls pulls the roof up into the sky along with the couple, and, you know, once again, we don't know what it is, but obviously something's going on here. So, the next day, we see Sam, who is back at the comic shop where the, with, where, the where the Frog Brothers work, and... They ask him if he has ever noticed anything unusual about Santa Carla yet. And he, you know, shrugs it off, says he hasn't really noticed anything. And they end up giving him a uh, a vampire comic book. And they said that this is basically their survival guide. And on the back of it, they have their phone number on it. And he says to... Uh, that that's just in case he needs to call them and to pray that that he never needs to call them. And so Sam, being Sam, he brushes it off once again and he mocks them by saying, "I hope I never pray that I have to call you." So next we have Michael. We cut back to Michael, and Michael is he's buying a black leather jacket and that that he kind of saw uh david in the gang uh wearing and he's also trying to um uh, he's also trying to get his ear pierced first of all like don't don't rip off other people's styles like to try and impress people just just be yourself but man michael michael's michael's trying to be one of them i guess
0: yeah you do you i mean everybody has their own unique style and that's one of the things i can say for me um i i have my own unique style that's completely its own thing and i would not expect anybody to copy it because it's very weird unique in its own way and you know i just tell people you do you and you know that our uniqueness is what makes us awesome
1: yeah um yeah i agree man just you need to be unique but you know don't uh not purposely copy someone's style just to try and impress people but uh, Michael said Michael's about to get his ears pierced, but for Star shows up behind him and she tells him that 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 that's a ripoff and that if he wants to get his ear pierced she'll do it, and so they end up chatting and everything, and uh, Michael eventually ends up asking Star if she wants to go grab some food, and she says okay, and they're about to leave, and then guess what happens? David and the gang shows up and they block him in poor Michael, he, he, he almost had, had lunch with Star, and, or dinner, whatever it is, and David and the gang show up, poor, poor Michael, and, uh, they end up blocking him in, and it, uh, eventually, Star ends up getting off of, uh, Michael's bike, and she gets back on David's bike, and, and, uh, she's gonna go off with, uh, David, and, David and Michael kind of have an altercation and David ends up telling Michael to try and keep up and they ride off and so Michael chases after them and so like David and his gang, they're on motorcycles Michael is on a dirt bike and so, you know not not too easy of a thing to keep up with when you're on a dirt bike versus a motorcycle they end up riding off and they drive through the woods and out on the beach and everything, and they eventually end up going toward a cliff. And event uh, while Michael's trying to, to keep up with, with with the gang and everything, uh, eventually David shows up like right beside Michael, and he's kind of taunting him and everything. And eventually he ends up uh, he ends up ta- taunting him and he tricks him and makes him almost run off. Uh, of the cliff right into the ocean and so but but michael luckily stopped in time and of course michael's pissed off which i mean rightfully so i'd be fucking furious if i was michael and he's pissed off and he ends up punching david in the face and but 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 david didn't really seem too too phased with it and he honestly seems to kind of enjoy it if, if i'm if i'm being honest with you uh and then like this part's like really weird to me um you know obviously he, he punches david and stuff and then he tells the gang you know just david and uh you know i'm thinking that there's about to be a fight and david said you know how far are you willing to go and then we cut to the hangout and i'm like did i miss something wasn't there supposed to be a fight that's what it seemed like this was leading to. But then we just kind of cut to the hangout. It's like, so they're just going to, it seems like we we're going to fight. And now we're just going to hang out and be friends. <laughs> uh,
0: it's, you know, lo- looking back at this film. One of the things that these, this scenes lead me to believe is how it's being set up that David is really coercing Michael and getting Michael this is part of the slow transformation to get Michael to become a vampire. These like these little things is that pushing him to see how, not only is how far is he willing to go, but how far is he willing to follow David as his leader, so he can become a vampire brother.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It's basically what's going on here. Uh, Michael's basically trying. Uh, 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 basically, Michael Michael wants to be in this game. He, he wants he he wants to be with this group. But so, uh, so like I said, the, the, they're at the hang. The, the Michael takes uh Michael and the gang take David to their hangout or lair, whatever you want to call it, which happens to be an an old hotel that used to be above in the road, but that was unfortunately built on a fla- uh, fault line. And there was an earthquake that happened that caused it to fall down into a cave. And so that's where they're at. Their whole lair is an underground like hotel cave thing. It's pretty cool. Uh It's pretty cool there. Uh, it's cool too. There's a little Easter egg here uh, in the lair. I can't remember exactly which scene it is, but there is a poster of John Morrison from The Doors in it. And uh, John Morrison was the uh, was you know he was leading the Doors. The Doors was the ones who originally wrote the song "People Are Strange," which play quite a few times in this movie. But it's uh, in the movie it's being covered by Echo and the Bunnymen. So like while they're in the cave, we get this really awesome scene uh, that has some really funny moments. Uh, they're on the cave, and uh, one of the vampires uh, that's part of the gang, well, not vampire. Well, we don't know they're vampires yet, but they are. Uh, I can't remember his name. He ends up bringing in some Chinese takeout for everybody to eat and uh, they're all sitting around eating rice and michael's eating rice and everything and david ends up asking michael how do those maggots taste and michael is like you know he's obviously shot and he looks down and the the thing of rice that he's eating is is actually maggots uh he and david's like you're eating maggots michael and uh you know michael knows that you know he's had he's eating He's eating maggots, and he kind of is shocked. And then uh, David laughs, and uh, he ends up uh, giving Michael some noodles. And uh, Michael's eating these noodles, and David asks him, uh, are you enjoying those worms? And once again, Michael looks down, and he's eating worms instead of noodles. And, you know, he's obviously shocked and, and drops drops the thing, but when he turns them back, uh. When he drops the the noodles on the ground, he looks back down and they're, they're noodles instead of worms again. And David mocks him and says, They're only the famous line that they're only noodles, Michael. And so this part is like, this part's weird. It's like, why didn't Michael, like, why wasn't Michael more concerned with the fact that the fucking food was changing from worms and maggots? Back to food. He honestly didn't seem like he gave a shit. Like he seemed like okay yeah. That's totally a normal thing that happens.
0: This is a very weird scene. Because I still don't understand this. And part of me wonders. If if there's some sort of like. If it's like a hallucinogen. Or if there's some sort of like mystic power. That's causing him to see things. That are not really there. Or on the opposite. That he's not seeing things that are there. So this is. It's a very. I still. This is one thing I still don't understand to this day how it worked out.
1: Yeah, because like I mean, I, I know like most vampire movies like make up their own mythos and stuff, but this one seems to follow pretty much almost the vampire tropes as as everybody knows. I've never heard of a trope where you know they can manipulate it, uh, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it's it's still. Uh, it's one of the ones where I still don't understand and my my only assumption is it has to be something where it's like he's hallucinating seeing things that they're using it and I don't know what's causing it. Yeah.
1: So, after the whole, you know, worms and maggot uh, food fiasco, uh, David ends up telling one of the other vampires that it's time for the wine and when the vampires comes and grabs, he comes back and he's got this bottle of red liquid, which you know what obviously you would assume is wine, but it's not david tells uh tells Michael to drink some and become one of them, or he' uses the line be one of us michael and uh but star, who's you know there with them all, she tells Michael, don't drink it, it's blood but Michael just kind of shrugs it off and he drinks it anyway. And the gang, uh, the, the, he drinks it anyway because the gang started chanting his name and everything. And so he started, he, he drank it. And it's it's funny, it's like, it's like I put in my notes, is like uh, Michael just gives in the peer pressure and drinks the uh, red liquid.
0: Do you think, I'm pretty confident this was, you know, well, I think all of us know in, in the next scene that this was blood and this is part of the transformation. For him to becoming a vampire,
1: yeah, t- 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 yeah, yeah. The, the 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 wine wasn't wine. It was, it was the blood of the head vampire. Which in the Lost Boys, uh, uh, mythos of the this series, that's how you turn. That's how you turn people. You don't bite them like in other vampire movies where you 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 bite them on the neck and turn them. This one you have to uh, drink the blood of the head vampire. So he drinks that and they all have they all party and eventually uh during the party they all end up leaving on on their on their bikes and they head to a bridge and now we get to one of my favorite scenes and probably one of the most iconic scenes to me in the whole movie i get to a bridge and uh, they're walking on it and then slowly each one by one each of them just Kind of hop off the bridge, and we don't really—you can't really see what's going on. Well, Michael ends up looking over, and then he sees that they're all just kind of hanging from under the bridge by these bars, and they're telling Michael to come join them. So Michael ends up—you know—he uh he ends up uh, uh hopping over and hanging from the bars underneath the bridge. So while they're they're hanging there, a train passes over. And is going over the, the the bridge while they're hanging, while they're all hanging it, hanging there. And I get and one by one, while this is happening, uh, they slowly start letting go. And of course, Michael's freaking out because they're hanging over this bridge, and it's at nighttime. This train's you know going over, so it's really hard to hang on. And there's just like really dense, immense fog. Just uh, like like you're literally just like hanging under the bridge. You look down, and you just see this endless fog and you don't know what the hell is underneath there you can only assume it's you know instant death if you let go so he sees these people just you know dropping off uh one by one he's assuming okay well these people are just just committing suicide right here basically uh so one by one they're all dropping off and eventually david ends up dropping off and, and Michael screams out for him, but and he's still trying to hold on. Uh, and then the train ends up finally getting past the the bridge, and Michael's still holding on, but barely. But everything's silent, and then all of a sudden he starts hearing them call for for him to c- call for Michael. They start calling his name, and it's coming from underneath them. So he's like, you know, obviously freaked out, wondering, you know, how the hell they're still alive. So he ends up eventually slipping and falling. And then we get this weird scene where he's like falling through this fog, and while he's uh falling through the fog, uh, he eventually ends up falling onto his bed. And then we cut to the next morning. His part I didn't really understand, it's weird. It's like he was falling from the bridge, then he fell through the fog, and then he ends up in his bed. Like, what, what exactly happened here?
0: Yeah, so this is one of the things that it's part of the vampire processes. And the problem is there's, there's so many different types of mythos out there of vampires. But I'm wondering if it's like he drinks the blood and then he falls and he maybe dies. And then he wakes. And that's why. And, you know, basically he they put his body in his bed. That's what I can think of is that he something happens to where he passes out and they and they put him in his bed. Uh, or he, I can't think of anything else that makes sense, because he obviously doesn't remember what happened. I'd also say this guy's going to great lengths to try to impersonate Star. Like, now he's going, I mean, he's completely gone overboard, you know, multiple ways to try to impress Star for some reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, this guy, like, he, he don't even know this girl, and he's willing to join this weird vampire gang for
0: uh he's for basically care. willing to die to yeah. to get her attention
1: a <laughs> little, little overboard michael but yeah uh so he wakes up in his bed the next morning and he has no idea how he made it home and uh after this happens uh he that he starts uh he starts kind of acting more strange after after this little event happened he starts kind of uh sleeping in all day and going out at night and he's wearing sunglasses uh sunglasses all during the night and day and and uh, other stuff like this that sam his younger brother starts noticing well there's a night where his mom wants to go out with uh with uh, max from the video store and so she tells uh michael to stay home with sam and babysit him and He's kind of reluctant to do so at first, but he eventually uh, caves in and, and, and tells her he'll do it. So that night, they end up uh, lying, lying to their grandpa and telling him that the widow Johnson, who is this woman that he's sort of seeing off and on uh, throughout, uh, uh, called and told him that she, he needs to be there to pick up her, her for her date. He needs to be there to pick her up for their date at seven instead of eight. And grandpa's kind of like, w- w- we have a date tonight. Well, I better get ready. And so he, he runs off to get ready and he ends up leaving the house. So after he leaves the house, it's it's not time and everything. All of a sudden they hear all these motorcycles uh, and, and, and motorcycle lights coming through the window and motorcycles are real loud outside. And, you know, obviously, it's, you can you assume from the sounds of it that it's David and, David and his gang. And eventually, Michael ends up opening the door, and there's nothing there. Odd. So, Michael tells his brother Sam that he can go upstairs now and, and get his bath. And uh, while Sam is taking his bath, Michael goes to the kitchen, and he grabs a milk carton. And before he can drink out of it, though, he starts... Feeling uneasy, and he ends up, uh, you know, falling to the floor and dropping the milk, the milk cart and everything. And you know, we're not really sure what's going on with Michael here, but uh, Sam is upstairs taking a bath, and and he and Sam seemed like he was having a blast. He, he had he had music going on, and he was just you know, he was having a good time. And then he had his dog Hanuk uh, guarding him. Well, one of the things is I learned. That especially
0: that nook as a husky probably has some wolf in him as in as animals uh, or dogs they hunt in packs or they carry in packs that they stay around some of them they have this natural instinct to stay around their owners in the bathroom is as as, as their way of protecting them from other predators that may try to attack them in a vulnerable position and i will say even if you look at i want to know where they came from the the brothers and the mom because sam has a very like my if i were to say what's a 1980s city boy like acting like it look like this would be a 1980s city boy to me like his character some of his manners and stuff he does like the goofiness the way he dresses kind of reminds me of tom hanks in the movie big yeah
1: uh yeah i'm glad you brought that up because uh yeah it's weird like sam does have like a i guess you could say sam has like a fashion sense in a way in in like the the way he dresses and everything and and he does act like way different than the than than michael does but uh i i can definitely tell i definitely get the whole city boy vibe that had had you guys well so while Sam is taking his bath uh, Michael starts uh, he starts kind of freaking out downstairs and you see him start to slowly uh, turn but not really turn Uh, it's kind of like something's kind of causing him to uh, he's wanting to attack Sam but he's also reluctant to. So he's trying to fight that, fight that off, but he really can't. So he's walking upstairs toward the bathroom and obviously N- N- Hanook can sense it as a dog. And, uh, Michael, uh, uh, Sam goes under the water. And while Sam goes under the water, Michael opens the door to attack, but N- the N- Hanook jumps up and attacks and pushes Michael out the door and the, the door shuts. And so then we cut to, we see Sam, he's at, uh, Sam's out of the shower, I mean, out of the bath, and he's walking downstairs, and he's trying to figure out what's going on, because he sees, uh, he sees Michael, and Michael looks in really rough shape, and he's got, uh, blood all over his hand, and, uh, uh, Sam thinks that he attacked, uh, he attacked his dog, but Michael ends up telling him, that uh no that that nanook attacked me and bit me because uh uh nanook was protecting you from me and sam was like oh why would i need protecting and that's when he notices that michael's uh reflection in the mirror is fading and so then he has he figures out because he's been reading the vampire uh comics that the broad brothers gave him that he is slowly becoming a creature of the night. Uh, I love this this trope because, like you know, you know, we know the whole mythos that vampires don't have a reflection. I love the fact that because Michael's half vampire, his reflections just sort of slowly fading, but not all the way gone. It's kind of a fun symbolism that you know he's only half vampire he's he's not all the way gone, there's still some hope for him.
0: Well, I, yeah, and absolutely, that's what we're talking about, the, the different mythos of vampires, and even another one, as you mentioned earlier, with Jim Carrey, What's Bitten, it was a head vampire that had to bite Jim Carrey three times for him to become a vampire, And, but with this, the way that this mythos is, it shows that there is a possibility where
1: you know, especially as he's reading the books, that he can save his brother. So, uh, Michael uh, is uh, talking to Sam, and he tells Sam that, you know, he's only half vampire, and that it's not until he makes his first kill that he'll turn full vampire, so, you know, he's still, he can still be saved, and he, uh, he gets Sam to, he helps, he gets Sam to, to not uh, say anything to his mom. Typical brothers looking out for each other and making sure that you know, that he doesn't want to get in trouble. Yeah, I mean, this is a... But it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's like, this guy's turned into a vampire and he's worried about, you know, he don't want his mom to find out. <laughs> well,
0: the funny thing is, too, is that if he tells his mom, what is, his mom's going to probably think that they're on drugs.
1: That's very true. Very true. Sam ends up drawing from from reading more comics and stuff and he he knows that there's a head vampire. Sam draws the conclusion that his mom's uh, boss slash boyfriend, Max, is the head vampire because he only goes into the video store at night and uh, there was another scene where uh, Max's dog, Thorn, uh, attacked his mom when she tried to drop off like a bottle of wine to Max uh, because she ran out of their date uh, on the, the, the night before. And uh, Sam was reading like a comic book called The Hounds of Hell that was about uh, how vampires who sleep during the day have these hounds of hell who watch over them as they sleep. And he assumes that Thorn is Max's hound of hell. And that's why he thinks Thorn is the head vampire. So in order to make up for running out on their date the night before, Lucy ends up inviting Max over to dinner. And while she's uh, while Max over at dinner, uh, Sam ends up uh, – he, he ended up going back and talking to the Frog Brothers, and he tells them that who he thinks is the head vampire. So they come up with this plan to try and make it uh, – to try and prove that Max is the head vampire. So uh, the Frog Brothers are over there at Sam's and Michael's houses, and they're eating dinner with Max and Lucy. And they, they, they put him through some tests to kind of test if he is actually a vampire. They replace the Parmesan cheese with garlic. And it, it's hilarious because they – while they're doing this, they're not being very subtle about what they're doing at all. Like they say, like, the stupidest fucking lines, like where uh, – the uh whenever he accidentally puts garlic in and then eats it and then he starts ch- choking you hear sam goes yeah i bet you i bet you hate that don't you it's garlic and he's like and then max like no i actually like garlic it's just a lot and then uh There's another, after this happens, after the garlic thing happens, there's another scene where Sam grabs a a, a glass of water, but it's actually holy water, and he throws it out uh, on Max, and he's like, yeah, I bet it burns, don't it? And then Max's like, no, it's actually cold. And so, you know, Max has had holy water thrown on him and garlic, and it's not working, so they assume that Max has passed the tests and that he's actually not a vampire. But in reality it's because the one night that uh, it was because of the, uh, there was a night where Max came over and before he came over, David was on his way out and Max asked permission to come in. And so since he got an invitation in like the, like the old uh, vampire trope, he was able to come in. And so since he got an invitation to come in, they're kind of rendered powerless against uh, using garlic and uh, holy water and stuff like that against them. Yeah. He even
0: also pulls out a mirror too, as they, um, that's the last test was they chop the lights. They put a mirror to his face. It's such, (laughs) they're just so annoying with it. And it's, um, yeah, it's such a funny thing too. The best thing too, is like with the garlic part, the, you know, the mom gets the garlic and, you know, that's in the bowl and she smells like, oh, my God, that's, you know, all this garlic. And, you know, garlic as, you know, as somebody who cooks and I use garlic from time to time, you cannot mistake garlic, especially that much garlic for Parmesan cheese. It's not even possible. So it's it's kind of it's a funny scene, and especially with how annoying the froggers and Sam is being. It's like those be a moment where you excuse him from the table and be like, "I'm gonna deal with you in the morning." As you slap him inside the head.
1: Yes. And uh, so after this is all over, like I said, uh, you, uh, Michael end up, uh, on Max's way in. He ended up in, uh, Michael is, out with David and the gang, and they go to. They're kind of going to this place where they're overlooking this bonfire party. And Matt, uh, David ends up telling Michael that the initiation's over. And David turns, he full on transforms into a vampire, and so do the rest of the people. And so Michael's clearly horrified. And they end up flying, uh, they end up jumping over and going to, and they attack this, uh, group of people at this. Bonfire party, and that they just like go to town on these people. Like <laughs> it's this weird weird part. David ends up like biting this one dude on the skull, and then blood just spurts everywhere. I thought that was weird biting on top of the head.
0: Yeah, the um, and as you're saying that, I'm actually going through and seeing parts of this. I'm I'm actually seeing this montage right now as we speak, and it's actually very the the montage is actually is very good because as it goes back and forth between Michael freaking out about it and the vampires attacking the people it's violent but the way that's shot and the way that they cut and put it together makes it less violent because while you see spurts of blood but and you see people get like their necks broken it's done in a way that is extremely chaotic but is not as gruesome as you would think it is does that make sense yeah uh yeah, I get what you mean. Uh... The, the editors did a very good job taking these scene, these violent scenes and cutting them together for this montage that makes it look a lot more tamer than what it actually is. It's done very well. I, can, I can't I I can't tell you how well this is done. You know, you know, as we always tell everybody, please watch the movie before you go through our reviews. But this is actually one one of the my favorite uh, montages I think I've seen with the way it's done because of how they're able to uncensor and censor this
1: violent scene. Yeah, and uh, while this uh, gang is being killed and stuff, my, uh, David tells uh, tells Michael he explains to Michael that he's one of them and that he must feed, but he'll he'll never grow old and he'll never die. He just has to feed. Well, Michael refuses he doesn't want to be a killer and he ends up leaving uh it's funny uh i think i can't remember if it was a thing on the dvd or if there was an interview i saw with them but uh, joel schumacher the director he said that the the teenage the the group of people at the bonfire are supposed to be neo-nazis so completely fine with them being killed then <laughs> well um, as as you see they look like from what I could tell um, they
0: definitely look like they're I would say a hardcore grunge rock group because yeah. there's you know there a lot of them are bald headed there was like one mohawk I saw they were wearing um, like white white sleeveless shirts so I don't think there was a way to tell though
1: that they were neo-nazis yeah, that's just what Sch- Sch- Schumacher said in an interview that, 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 that they were meant to be neo Nazis. So uh, once I learned that, I was like, okay, cool. I can, uh, I'm fine with that scene then. Uh, after, after uh, Michael ends up refusing, he, he leaves. And Star, she follows after him and she explains to him that, you know, he's only half vampire like her and Laddie, that until he feeds, you know, he'll he'll only be a half Empire. but once he makes his first kill, he'll turn full, and it won't be any way back then. Uh, so, but Michael, he's still kind of angry with her, so he ends up kind of just shutting her off, and he ends up uh, shutting her off and everything. Well, Sam ends up uh, calling the Frog Brothers in for help. They determine that they think that David must be the head vampire. And so they all end up getting in their grandpa's car and they head out to the lair. Michael goes with them and he ends up going into the lair and he grabs a, like a really weak, uh, he grabs a star and she's really weak. Cause you know, obviously she hadn't fed and she and Laddie and uh, he grabs them and he sneaks them out and, and back into the car while sam and the frog brothers are out in the lair are exploring the lair looking for the vampire nest because they want to take out uh, david they had you know who they think is the head vampire but they're unsure though of which of the vampires is david so they come across some of them uh, because they find them sleeping upside down in the in one of the caverns edgar he ends up uh putting a stake through marco and who marco is you know like i said he's played he's uh played by alex winter and uh, he ends up putting a stake toward marco who he thinks is david which uh while marco's you know dying uh it's a really loud death and so he obviously he wakes up the others so they all run out and they're trying to escape and uh at one point uh right when they're almost out David ends up grabbing uh grabbing one of them but uh, it's you know, it's daytime and so sunlight hits David and he ends up having to let go and he's in he's in a lot of pain uh there's a in this scene uh if you look closely David has one tear coming down and that's because uh the uh the vampires like when you look at them with their those eyes the, the, those are glass glass contacts, and you know obviously with glass contacts uh your eyes don't really have uh can't really breathe and so uh after so long it was causing so much irritation and and discomfort that that uh that's why he has has that one tear but uh they said that they like the visual of it so th- they kept that in because it added more to the scene
0: yeah i mean that was and as we go through and we look at the vampires as they vamp out and as we've been recording we're trying to look at that connection that connection of uh buffett vampire slayer is that joel schumacher created this iconic teenage vampire and that was actually exactly what joss whedon thought would be a teenage vampire look like and that's why they have identical so there isn't any shared uh makeup uh makeup or costume artist that was in lost boys and buffy vampire slayer but the, when you're talking about the eyes these are the exact same thing that you would see in buffy vampire slayer because of this iconic imagery that you're talking about with with uh david in this particular scene
1: yeah so they end up escaping and they get back up to the car and, uh, you know, they're thinking that the vampires are going to come after them. and So one of the Frog Brothers tells uh, tells Sam to uh, burn rubber, but he ends up uh, putting the car in reverse by accident. And uh, our friend Cece from the Spring Queen, she told me this is one of her favorite lines. They end up uh, putting the car in reverse by accident. And when they do, he hits the gas because the, the Frog tells him to burn rubber. And they end up going backwards almost off the cliff, which leads to them screaming, Christ <laughs> And uh, as, as, uh Cece says you know that, that was one of her favorite lines. But they end up, you know, obviously obviously stopping before they went off the cliff and end up uh, getting out of there. they they're trying to get back because they figure it's not long until sundown and they figure that since they killed Marco that the other vampires are gonna come after them and, and and uh make their attack. So later that night, uh their mom, she's out on a date with uh Max and and grandpa is out visiting the widow Johnson. And so they're all preparing for a retaliation attack from David and his gang. Well, sure enough when the sun when sun goes down, here they come. They end up uh showing up at at the house and and uh they have a you know they have a big showdown with everybody uh there's a lot of really cool deaths in this too because it's uh, the frog brothers also stated that uh before this happened that that no vampire goes out the same way and they talked about the different ways the vampires can go out and each one of these went out in a way that they described one of my favorites, uh, Sam shoots with this one vampire who's a, whose actual name is Dwayne, but we don't ever, really ever, ever hear that. Uh, he shoots him through the uh, heart. He shoots him with an arrow, but uh, he 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 doesn't quite hit the heart the first time. So then he's Aha, he, he taunts him. And then he, uh, Sam shoots another, uh, he goes to shoot another arrow, but the vampire says he won't hit him twice. And Sam, you know, uh, mocks him back and he shoots him with the arrow and it hits him in the heart, which sends him into a stereo, which electrocutes him and ends up uh, blowing him up. And Sam says the awesome line of, uh, death by stereo.
0: I c- can't get over how awesome the Frog Brothers are because they have such attitude for being like 13 year old te- teenagers with the way that they go over everything and the way that they are essentially, they act like badasses, but when they actually come with danger,
1: they are scared shitless of everything. Yeah, I agree. Tough Rock Brothers is like one of, my, is one of my favorite things about the Lost Boys uh, series. After Dwayne dies, you know, death by stereo, Another vampire, uh, who you don't, who you come, uh, who is named Paul. I, I don't think they actually ever said these vampires' names. This is just what people. Uh, who, if you look at the cast, who, who, you'll know what their names are by, the, by that. They end up knocking him with the help of Nanook. The the dog ends up knocking them into a bathtub full of holy water and garlic, and he just kind of, he just kind of melts away. To the point that when he finally dissolves, the tub fills up, and then so does like every other uh, every other pop in the house. Just pops up blood everywhere and just explodes uh, in like this insane thing, <laughs> insane scene with, the, with how that all went down.
0: And, and that's the what with with them that's talking about the Frog Brothers. Essentially, is that they are trying like badasses, and then this vampire basically start is going to beat them up. And the dog is actually ends up saving the frog brothers. And as he's essentially boiling in the holy water that's in the tub, they're crying out and screaming, like as they're scared for their life. Yeah, <laughs> and that is a weird scene though, because essentially the, the tub's filled with holy water. And as the vampire essentially, I don't know if you want to say evaporate or dissolves into the water, but then. Essentially all the water goes down the drain and then it blows up all the pipes as you mentioned, you know, the to toil- the, the toilet, the sink, the shower, everything is completely blown up.
1: Yeah, and just like just blood just goes everywhere. Uh after that happens, uh Michael ends up having, you know, his showdown with David and they end up fighting and jumping in the air in this really cool little uh uh sort of fight scene, but not really. And Michael ends up uh, turning the tables on David and and impaling him on some deer antlers that the grandpa has has just laying around. But David gets impaled and it's really weird. Like uh, I I like David's death scene because it's like right when he gets impaled, this like really like bright light like shows up and you you hear this really awesome organ playing in the background and everything while he's like slowly done but but his death's kind of anticlimactic because it's kind of he just kind of just kind of slowly does yeah and the thing is it's it's a very um it's a very
0: interesting this movie with the vampires if you look at it this film is 87 minutes long but really like the deaths of the vampires or the the deaths in general really isn't until, like the last like 20 minutes of the movie and there's only about 5 deaths you know and they're all the the vampire gang it, with the exception of the you see the montage of the the gang that's killed by the by the vampire uh
1: squad yeah and the security guard and the the couple so after david's dead you know they assume that david was the head vampire but Michael and Star, unfortunately, they don't feel any different. Meaning that David was not the head vampire. Shocker. It's
0: still in what the and as you mentioned, he gets impelled with uh, David. It still drives me crazy to try to figure out what does this the grandfather do because why does he have all these? As you mentioned, David gets impelled by deer antlers, but it's in a room
1: filled with a bunch of deer antlers. Yeah, uh, uh, like you said before, I, I assume it's in taxidermy. But, and at, at,
0: as you're mentioning, that star and laddie doesn't feel any different, and is at this time where uh, the mom Lucy comes home from her date.
1: Yeah, yeah, Lucy comes home from their date with Max. Max is with her, and uh, she's kind of concerned. Well, uh, they come in and she's concerned and asking Sam, and you know they see all the the, the damage, all the all everything that's going on, what happened and stuff. And uh Max ends up finding, walking over, he finds David's body, but he doesn't know that st- uh, Star and, um, and Michael are kind of over there unseen uh, by him. Well. He ends up like kind of caressing David, and then he talks about how uh you know uh, David and others are David and the others are his boys, and then he reveals to Lucy that it was his plan all along to get her boys on on the side so that her boys can have a mother revealing that he is indeed the head vampire, and he explains that the invitation to their home is why he passed the Frog Brothers' original test. Uh, Max, uh, ends up, uh, getting a hold of Sam, and so he's kind of using Sam as bait, he, uh, he tells Lucy that she has no choice but uh, to give herself over to him, and, and take his hand, and let him, you know, uh, make her into a vampire, just as he is about to bite her, is, here we go again, he's gonna bite her, and turn her, but Michael drinks blood, and is... Turn so I guess this is there. Can you turn into vampire both ways, or like what's going on here?
0: It's a very um, the problem is there's too much vampire mythos out there, and I don't know what it's very hard to see what is what, and what and obviously this is all fantasy, but none of these vampire movies play by the rules, so we don't know what makes sense and what doesn't make sense,
1: yeah. yeah Uh, i I guess that there's different ways you can turn it's not just drinking the blood i guess you can turn somebody the old-fashioned way as well 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 and that's
0: that's the that's what i'm saying is the weird thing is that is because you also have the part where like in some vampire mythos is like oh if you get bitten by a vampire you will turn into a vampire but then they also have the where it's like, but if they drink too much of your blood, then you can't become a vampire. You basically are just food to them.
1: Yeah. Uh. When when Max is about to bite Lucy, they end up hearing uh, the sound of Grandpa's uh, jeep. And he, he has a very distinct horn. And so they hear that. So Max is distracted real quick, and Michael ends up diving at him as uh, Grandpa's jeep comes spashing through the fucking window and this Jeep is loaded down with fence poles that are made to be uh, made to be stakes on the front of it and he ends up impelling Max and sending him uh, uh, into a fire into the fireplace uh, screaming and end up you know killing him
0: in a bit of foreshadowing if you go back and see this see this movie when the froggers sam and michael take grandpa's car without asking as they're driving away they're yelling at grandpa they're saying hey, do you mind if we take your car the grandfather is putting the fence post in and he's the he's putting the basically a massive fence pole. he's putting it upside down so where the spike is pointed upwards yeah
1: and uh there's also another scene where He's in the background when whenever Michael invites Max in, and he's kind of taking note that you know Max had to be invited in. So after you know uh, Max is dead and everything, Grandpa just kind of (laughs) is getting out of the jeep, and he's kind of just walking around, and everybody's kind of staring at him in his amazement because he's just kind of being all casual about this, like this is absolutely not a big deal. He walks over to the kitchen. He opens the refrigerator, and he grabs a root beer, and he drinks it. And everybody's just kind of staring at him, and you know, shock. And he says my absolute favorite line in the whole movie, and just my the favorite. But just and you know, he ends the movie with this great ending where he goes. The one thing, one thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach all the damn vampires, which means that grandpa knew about the vampires the entire time what makes it better is as he's doing this he walks
0: to the refrigerator the refrigerator is covered in blood and as yeah. he says this as the movie fades to black it's the mom and then michael and then sam is and michael's essentially giving sam a piggyback bake ride or at least that's how it looks and it fades to black. Like, it literally, like, the light as, because you see, like, the, basically, the refrigerator closes, so the refrigerator light goes off. And then, you know, their faces get darker, then it fades to black. And the, they have this blank expression on their look. Essentially, it's them looking at Grandpa, like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, you forget to tell us that there's vampires in Santa Clara. Like, what is wrong with you? That's, so it's him saying that, that very, you know, famous line and then they're like dumped on to res- you know, look on their face as the response back as the face of black, that really just it makes for an awesome moment to end the movie on.
1: Yeah, I I, I love this ending. I love that line. It's one of my favorite things ever. Uh, well, uh going back and talking about something uh more a little fun little trivia. Uh, it, when you if you look real closely in michael's room you know i told you how in uh the vampire lair in david and his king's like hot out there's a poster of uh of, of jim morrison who is the the lead singer of the doors uh who did the original song of people are strange well throughout the show throughout the movie there uh, the, the 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 cover of people are strange are played by echo and the bunny men well, in Michael's room, in his room, there is a poster of Echo and the Buddy Men in his room. Here, here's one I wanted to talk to you about. Okay, so and I think we, we completely forgot to talk about it, but I, I was going to bring it up anyway. So at one point, Michael ends up going back to the hangout, and he comes across Star, and he's wanting to kind of get answers from her, but they end up having sex. Do you think that they picked a bad song for them to have sex to? Like, I feel like "Cry, Little Sister" does it quite is is a little weird in this scene. It's the '80s, man.
0: That's not anything in the '80s. That's just that it, it's tough to explain. I just have to go back to the response. Like, it's the '80s. Things it was just a different time, and things didn't
1: make sense back then. Yeah, I, I, I just. I Uh, Like, I get that Cry Little Sister is basically, like, the theme song of the Lost Boys, uh, but I feel like they could have picked a more fitting song. It was just weird to me. But, yeah. So, that was the Lost Boys. Man, and it's, you know, still, like, till this day, it's, you know, like I said, it's, like, one of my all-time favorite movies. And it it holds up so well. I can literally put this on anytime, watch it, and enjoy every bit of it. Uh, besides the flyover shots uh, just because we didn't get to see many deaths that are kind of doing more off screen that's literally my only graph about the movie I, I I fucking love this movie Uh, like I said at the start of it this movie is just like the atmosphere the aesthetic just everything about this movie it draws you in and it honestly like first time i watched it made me want to be a part of this of this gang and i wanted to be one of the lost boys and everything after watching this but uh as far as like uh like i said that's kind of like my final thoughts on it my if i had to you know if i gave it a rating uh i'm gonna we're gonna we're just something fun here i'm gonna give it five chinese takeout boxes out of five because I'm I going to say this is like a perfect movie, in my opinion, besides the small little crops here and there. And how about you, JR? Uh, the first thing for me is I think Joel Schumacher
0: did a very good job with the casting. Um, the whole crew did. I think they, they took a lot of actors who at the time were unknown and did a, an amazing job putting them into roles that fit them and was unique to them because i can't when you look at films any film for example no matter how good or how bad it is and you think about could this film be better and one of the things you look at is like the actors that they portray and even when you look at the uh Max's character, for example, the the dad vampire. I remember him. I think I saw. I'm pretty sure I was, saw Richie Rich first before I saw the Lost Boys. It's like that's Macaulay Culkin's dad, of Richie Rich. Like, how does he like supposed to be this, you know, kind of badass vampire? But he wasn't portrayed as a badass vampire for until like the last like two minutes of the movie before he got killed. They did a very good job with it. They the I can't think of the word. The dialogue in the film was amazing. They did a great job, you know, especially with like the Frog Brothers and Sam was was amazing. They, I just can't think of anything that could have done better. And like I said, I think this to me was probably as it goes down as one of Joel Schumacher's. In my it's my favorite Joel Schumacher film. I think it's probably the best film that he ever did. In my estimation, one of the things that was funny is that um, we talked about the fl- the f- uh, flamboyancy of the film. They asked Joel Schumacher, "Why did you do this film?" In one of uh, interview bef- that he had did in his you know before he died, I'm, I'm sure it was some years back. they said, "The reason why I did vampires is the only hot monster. Vampires are hot. Frankenstein isn't hot." And I thought it was kind of funny because that's Joe Schumacher was known as kind of a flamboyant erotic director. That's one of the things if you looked at the movies, Batman and uh, Batman forever and Batman and Robin that growing up, when you look back in those films that he did things in that movie, that was kind of erotic because that was, he, that was kind of the style that he uh, liked doing. I don't think anything could have made this film better. I, I think everything's done perfectly. Even like the, and I under completely understand about the kills because you want to see kills on screen, and it's you know especially I think and as us as horror fans, when you see a kill off screen, it's like you're cheating us. You're cheating us out of seeing a kill. Like give it to us on screen. I think some of that stuff is done though for ratings purposes. Um, I didn't go back and check, but I'm pretty certain this has got a I want to say it's got a PG-13 rating, and not a rated R rating. Let me check
1: real quick.
0: And um, no, it got rated R. Um, yeah, rated R. I bet that film, if you if you re release it, I bet that gets a PG-13 today. You oh know, yeah. As we as we always talk about back in the 80s, the the standards was a lot more conservative than it is today. But I definitely I'll agree with you. I give it five out of five too. I think when you look at it, it's amazing. I think there are some a few maybe plot holes with the whole vampire mythos, but that's just a give and take with with the vampire mythology. I mean, if you look at everything from as we talked about once bitten to Blade to John Carpenter's vampires um, to anything anything that has to do with, with the whole vampire mythos, is people pick and choose what they want. Some says garlic works, some say not, you know, some that you had to you had to, you know, drink vampires blood and then you have to die and then you come back as a vampire, you know, things of that nature. So it's very um, it's very unique how that vampire mythology works. But I give it a five out of five. One of the interesting things I was going to say, though, uh, as far as one of the characters. So Star played by Jamie Gertz. She had a you know film career for a while, and one of her, I would say, a well-known role that came years later after this was a CBS sitcom called Still Standing. It was on for four seasons. I, I watched. Um, I remember watching some episodes, and I found it a, a somewhat enjoyable comedy. But she actually, alongside her husband, they're uh, majority owners of the Atlanta Hawks and the NBA. Oh wow! Yeah, so her her husband and um, he's a venture capitalist out of Beverly Hills. So you know he back in 2015 he bought a majority and in controlling interest in the Atlanta Hawks. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing because anything where you see people like actors or something like that that go into another realm, but especially like uh, this type of ownership. That just kind of caught me out of left field. And I thought that was an interesting, kind of tidbit of uh, trivia as far as for one of the characters.
1: Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I did not know that.
0: That's and, and one of the um, one of our I would say go back w- to make a correction as we're talking about the mom. Her her name was named Lucy for Bab Dracula. It's yeah. actually not that's not it's not Harker's wife. Harker's name is Mina Harker, who oh, that yeah. director ends of um. You know, eventually fall in love with, but Lucy is the one, if I'm not mistaken, that he first bites and turns into a vampire. Okay. That um, Harker has to end up killing later, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember Bram Stoker's Dracula um, well. But yeah, he but Lucy is one of that. That's, that's the first female victim, I think, in Bram Strucker's Dracula is Lucy. Um, last name is like West Western area or something like that. Of that, uh, like I'm not yeah. saying it correctly, but yeah, I just I wanted to correct myself
1: because I made that mistake by saying it was Harker's wife. Yeah, and no, it's uh, cool we mentioned Bram Stoker's Dracula because we're actually going to be uh, covering that this month, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, for, for those uh, in case you haven't quite got the, uh, uh, which when this when this drops will. We'll have the graphic up so we can go ahead and say it. Uh, so for January, this entire month, we're doing, we're doing vampires. We're just, are gonna try out themes, every so often. Where just one month we'll have a, a a central theme, and so for January we're just gonna start off with vampires. So like uh, you know we did uh, you just listen to our stuff in The Lost Boys. Next week we're gonna be doing uh, Fright Night the original. And we're going to have a friend or two on that podcast. I'm not sure yet if both can make it, but I know one is, and he's pretty excited about it. And I think people are going to be excited about that episode. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I hope everybody has enjoyed this episode. Uh, I've enjoyed talking about it with JR. This is, like, me and JR tell, I talk to other all the time, that you know, this is like one of our favorite movies. So this was an absolute blast to talk about. It obviously was something we absolutely had to cover on our podcast. We hope that you'll join us next week for for Fright Night. Uh, and we just want to say thank you all for the support you've given us uh, all throughout 2020. And we hope that you'll continue to support us uh, this new year and throughout 2021 with everything. And we look forward to everything that goes on. We just want to thank everybody for listening and taking the time to listen to us. Any uh, closing thoughts for you, Jr. Um, as as we're getting as this will drop on New Year's Day
0: for the, I hope everybody who has New Year's resolutions, uh, I wish you the best as we begin the new year. As you uh, with those New Year's resolutions, I know that's kind of everybody's always annual tradition is to come up with news resolution and the most of us give up after 15 to 20 days in it or you know about anything from i'm going to cut back on drinking or smoking or losing weight or hitting the gym and all that you know uh this year especially i know as we're overcoming 2020 getting to 2021 you know we need something to look forward to so I, i hope that for those of you who are creating new year's resolutions whether wherever whatever it will be from being a better person to working out to eating better, you know, taking up a new hobby. That's one of the things I'm looking into is as we go into 2021, I really want to take up reading. I'm not a, I'm not a big reader as much as I really should be, especially as an educator. I feel like I read too much already when I was in school, but definitely one of my resolutions in 2021 is to read a lot more and especially with there's a plethora of horror books out there that would be good to read especially um as we start looking at other opportunities for us to cover different topics in 2021 for our podcast so um, i wish you the best um and hopefully we'll see you on the other side of 2020
1: you could have said said that better myself jr uh ditto everything jr said and like i said the other episodes uh you'll be listening to this episode on new year's day so we just want to tell everybody happy new year and we hope 2021 is you know way better than what 2020 was i mean it wasn't all that bad wasn't all that bad honestly we started our podcast in 2020 And, you know, I'm very thankful for for, for that, but, uh, overall, it was just a year that I'm glad that we were able to get over with and move on from. So I'm hoping, hoping for better things coming this year. And I'm excited for, for, for what we do, what we have planned. And I just hope that you all will continue to join us and stay with us on this journey as we share our passion of horror with everybody. And with that, uh, must uh, bid you adieu. Goodbye. Good night. Stay creepy. Bang.